0: Well, it's a pleasure to be here today, finally, we're finally and finally here, I don't have to come back once a month, and it's just been a great journey, and I just want to, before I start, I want to just thank you all. Uh, Eric and I have felt very loved by the congregation during this transition period, many of you have reached out to us, and uh, I just want to thank you for that, and as I stand uh, here before you, I I'm a little struck, I'm a little awestruck, like God's just putting it on my heart just to be able to even stand up here. And I I wish I could stay here for like the next 10 minutes and just stare at you, but I know (laughs) it'd be a little weird, so we're going to keep on going on. So does anyone know what this is? Yeah, magic eight ball, all right. How many of you have ever used a magic eight ball before? It's all right, don't be ashamed. If we're gonna start this off, this relationship needs to be transparent, all right? All right, now, here's a, a better question. How many of have used this Magic 8-Ball to actually make a real decision? Yeah, I know, there's hands. So, you, you take this Magic 8-Ball, you shake it, you ask it a question. So, is this sermon gonna go well? Let me see. Hmm, very doubtful. <laughs> We're going to put the Magic 8-ball away. <laughs> so recently I was watching a, a news article and the title was, Want to Get Rich? Write a Self-Help Book. Um, and as we see, I don't know if you could see the slide, but there was a slide, there was a bunch of books on there. All right, That slide with a bunch of books, how many of you have some of those books? How many of you have read some of those books? Yeah, most of those books up there are books that are in my own personal library. And one of the fastest growing markets is the self-help um, market for books. And I was thinking, why is that? What, why is there so many self-help books? And as we look at that, we see that because there's a deficiency. There's a deficiency in something. There's a deficiency in wisdom, the wisdom of our time. And so people are seeking answers. So today we embark on a new sermon series. And the new sermon series is called Everyday Wisdom. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs and we're going to extract the wisdom that God has just lavished in the book of Proverbs. And before we start, I kind of want to give you a framework of Proverbs because Proverbs is quite different than most of the books of the Bible. It's really a lot of books put into one book. And if you look at it, you'll see Proverbs 1-9 through is really the prologue. And it, it is the person of wisdom. Wisdom is personified personified and juxtaposed to Madam Folly. And so you, you see that. And then chapters 10 through 29 are the principles of wisdom. This is where you get into those real pithy sayings that we're used to reading in Proverbs. And then it concludes with chapters 30 and 31, the practice of wisdom. And as we look into Proverbs, we're going to see that Proverbs practically addresses a plethora of life issues. It talks about relationships. It talks about how to deal with difficult people. It talks about how to deal with money. It is extremely, extremely practical and and relevant for today. And as we begin, I want you to understand that Proverbs fits into the larger story of Scripture. So we have to make sure that it's nested with the rest of Scripture. So there are going to be some things you come across in Proverbs, and you're going to be like, wait, that that, that doesn't make sense. Well, because it needs to be... Contextualize, or con- it's the context is in Scripture, and we start off, and we see Proverbs one one. It says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, and we see that that Proverbs is attributed to Solomon, although it's really written by a few different authors. But Solomon is the main contributor, so it's attributed to him. And as we look into the Proverbs, it's coming from a person, a, a king. It's almost as if we were receiving royal precepts of wisdom. And it's a perfect king that is giving us these royal precepts. And we know that it can't be Solomon or any other earthly king because they were not perfect. Just read 1 Kings and you'll see all of Solomon's issues. In fact, this is none other than King Jesus himself giving us these royal precepts as we read Scripture. Now, the Proverbs don't directly speak of Christ, but they indirectly speak of Christ. And knowing Jesus will give us a better understanding of the Proverbs, and Proverbs will give us a better understanding of Jesus. And as we go through this series, what I want you to do is I want you to put on special lenses, Christocentric lenses. I want you to see the book of Proverbs and see Christ in it because he's all over it. But today what I want to do is I want to look at Proverbs 1, and I want to answer the question, what is wisdom? Easy question, what is wisdom? So let's pray and ask God to bless this time. Father, we come to you right now, and we just ask that you would just bless this time. We ask that you would just supernaturally open our hearts to your wisdom, and we just pray that you would just reign in this place. We love you, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's eight things I want to talk about what wisdom are. So the first one, wisdom is skill. Wisdom is skill. Now if you look on your bulletin, you'll see I'm a... I'm an outline guy, so you can always fill that out. Wisdom is skill. Proverbs 1, 2. It's for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight. The word wisdom in the Hebrew actually means technical skill, but it's not mere intellectual skill. It's moral and ethical skill. It's moral and ethical skill for life. You know, when I was buying a house in Temecula, California, a while back, we hired a painter who said, hey, I, I got this. Don't worry, I'll paint your whole house for you inside. And he came to me and he said, all right, what do you think of my work? And the walls were great, but anywhere where it required skill, where you had to cut in, like it was, it was messy. It was, it was bad. And he goes, but I did the walls really well. And I said, I'm looking for someone who's holistic in their skill, <laughs> not just someone who just does something one thing really well. And so that's what wisdom here is talking about holistic skill for life. And it's a matter of the heart and not simply behavior. It's not formulaic. And we see that the object of wisdom is to enable us to live successfully in relationship to God. And really, it's not just successfully, but it's how he defines success in relationship to God. So that's the first thing. Second thing we see is wisdom is practical. Proverbs 1.3 says it's for receiving or willingly grasping instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right. Again, as God defines right, just and fair. Wisdom is meant to be practiced, not philosophically pondered. You ever meet someone like that who knows the right thing? Have you ever been that person? You know the right thing, but you just don't do it? Wisdom is meant to be practiced, not just talked about. James one twenty two says, Be doers of the word, not mere hearers deceiving yourself. You know, when my son Brian was younger, I would ask him to take the garbage out. He's 19 now. Um, I'd take, take the garbage out, and he'd be like, Oh, okay, Dad. And he would do it. But he really wasn't, didn't want to do it. He was just doing it because I was asking him to do it. And some of us kind of treat... God's wisdom like that and God's what he's asking us to do. We're like, well God, I guess we got to do it because you're telling me to. It's God doesn't want that. He wants us to obediently follow him. And it's our joy and our satisfaction to do that. We follow God and we just get this joy and the satisfaction because we know we're pleasing God. And that's what he's asking to do. It's very practical. So that's the second thing. Third thing. Wisdom is supernatural. Proverbs 1.6 says it's for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. We, we are not wise on our own. That, is that an understatement? I mean, you just, a mere observation will teach us that, right? We do some pretty bad things sometimes. You see, the natural man isn't born with wisdom. In fact, that wisdom was lost in the garden in Genesis 3. We just can't do it on our own. And we see that God is the source for all wisdom. And He, he determines how He's going to reveal that wisdom. Now, there's some wisdom that He has decided to reveal generally to everyone. That's why you have all this uh, wisdom literature or these little pithy sayings you know, you know, in different regions of the country or the world. He's revealed a certain amount of wisdom to us, everyone, every human being. But then God has also revealed special wisdom in His Word and by the Spirit of wisdom, by the Holy Spirit. We read in Luke 24, 45, then He opened their minds so that they could understand the Scripture. My prayer for us as we go through this series is that we dive deep into the Word. We dive deep into Proverbs and we say, you know what, God, I want to know your supernatural wisdom here. I want to know your supernatural wisdom. And that supernatural wisdom happens through the natural act of reading Scripture. And so that's my prayer for us as we go through this. So that's the third thing. The fourth thing. Wisdom is beautiful. Wisdom is beautiful. Proverbs 1.9 says, They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. As you guys, most of you know, I just retired from the Marine Corps. And every year we'd have the Marine Corps ball. And I got to wear my dress blues, which is the most uncomfortable uniform, like, ever in the world. If you weigh over 200 pounds, you should not be putting that uniform on because you can't breathe, all right? Um, And you wear these medals, these anodized gold medals. And I got to say, I look pretty good in it, all right? (laughs) And when you go and you walk around, the light hits the medals and it just shines all over the place. And that's how we're to wear God's wisdom. We're not to boast in our own, in ourselves, like I just did, but (laughs) (laughs) we're to boast in the Lord's wisdom. The goal of wisdom is that we achieve a life of beauty and significance that reflects God's glory. Don't you, just, you ever see someone where you're just like, they're so wise and they love the Lord and you're just like, I want more of that. I know I want more of that. That's the fourth thing. The fifth thing, wisdom is for everyone. Proverbs 1, 4, and 5 says, for giving prudence to those who are simple. Simple means lacking common sense. I think we know some people that lack a little common sense. <laughs> Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. When I met my wife, she used to do this really weird thing, which I don't understand anyone why they would do this. She used to go underwater cave diving. She would go and there'd be these little holes in the middle of Florida and she would get her dive gear on and they would go down in these these caves and it would be this labyrinth of caves. And she would just go and go and go. And I'm, yeah, that's crazy to me. But, <laughs> but it seemed like those caves, You tell me, it seemed like these caves never end. And that's the same thing about God's wisdom. God's wisdom is inexhaustible. We're never going to come to our lives to point our lives and go, well, I got God figured out. I'm done. You know, I'm going to walk off. It's, it's not going to happen. So it's for everyone. And, and let me just throw this past you, because this is what just absolutely just, Crumbles me. When we get to heaven, every single day, God is going to reveal a little bit more of his wisdom and his glory. Every single day. That's one of the best things about heaven. And let me add on top of that, when he reveals more of his wisdom and his glory, the more our joy and our satisfaction will increase. Did you just hear me on that? Every single day will be better than the next day in heaven because we will know more of God. He will reveal more of his wisdom every single day, and we will have more joy and satisfaction in him. It's going to be amazing. Yes, thank you, whoever just did that. (laughs) All right, number six. Wisdom is relational. Wisdom is relational. Wisdom is relational on so many different levels. First off, wisdom is relational on the home. Proverbs 1.8 says, Listen or Shema, listen and do something, my son, to your father's instructions and don't forsake your mother's teachings. We see that wisdom is transferred first in the home. We're supposed to raise up our children in, in the ways of the Lord. We're supposed to just continually talk about God's wisdom. And we see that transformation or that, that, that transfer in the home. Second, we see wisdom is transferred relationally from the father. To his creation. Everyone in the world has a relationship to God because he is the creator. Now, whether they're saved, whether they know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's another, that's a different type of relationship. But everyone has a relationship to God and he has revealed himself, his wisdom, and he's transferred that wisdom by his common grace. Like we talked about, there's certain things we just know are right and, and wrong. There's certain wisdom that everyone, even whether they're a believer or not, knows. We also see that wisdom must be embraced relationally, like a loved one. My daughter Madison is 17. And she gives great hugs. I don't know if you know anyone like that. You ever know anyone like, I'm not talking like the side hug, like, Hey, what's up? And you kind of walk away and it's kind of awkward. I'm talking, yeah, I know. You guys shake your head. It's all right. I know. All right. If it's the person next to you, don't worry. Just it's between you and me. All right. I'm talking about that hug where you go up to someone and they hug you and they kind of give you that squeeze and they don't want to let you go. And you kind of feel like you feel that love. You feel loved. You know what I'm talking about? That's how we're supposed to embrace wisdom. We're supposed to embrace wisdom and not let wisdom go. Proverbs 4.8 says cherish her, her being wisdom, and she will exalt you, embrace her, and she will honor you. Lastly, wisdom is relational, and we're called to embrace wisdom incarnate or wisdom in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ must be embraced. I want you to listen to this, this, this passage I'm going to read, but I want you to put your Christocentric lenses on I want you to see Christ in this. Just bear with me. Proverbs 1, and 23. This is not a context of a public setting. This is wisdom talking, but again, put your Christ lenses on. How long you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts. Or that word, thoughts, is the Hebrew word ruha, or spirit, then I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make known to you my teachings. We're called to embrace Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who lived a perfectly wise life where we fell short. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all lived and strayed. We have not lived wisely. But Christ came clothed in flesh and lived a perfect, wisely life. And when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we are no longer destined for hell, but we're destined for heaven where that relationship, that joy and satisfaction as we get to know the wisdom of God more and more each day is revealed to us. That's truth. That's powerful. And we're called to embrace him. And I pray that if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd love to talk to you after this. So wisdom is relation. Seventh, wisdom is protection. Proverbs 1, 32 and 33 says, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of the fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear or harm. Proverbs 4, 6 says, Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Friends, when we reject wisdom, we reject God's perfect prescription for our lives. We reject God's sovereign protection over our lives, and there's consequences for that. I want you to think about this. I I know people... And I've probably done it myself. There's a lady I really love a lot that I used to serve with in California. And she'd go to the doctor and she had a lot of problems. And the doctor would give her this prescription, like a prescription for her life, either like medical prescription or change this. And she would listen to none of it. And things would just get worse and worse and worse. And God, in the same way, has given us a prescription of of life, and it's contained in his word, and it's contained in his Proverbs. And if you don't listen to it, there's consequences for that. There's just natural consequences. It It always gives me anguish when someone will come into the office, or I'll talk to someone, and they'll say, yeah, my life is just so bad, and I'll be like, I'll talk to them, and they're living unwisely, and you're like, well, that's just the natural consequence. Well, why does God hate me so much? God doesn't hate you. He loves you. And there's redemption there. There's redemption there. Live wisely. Embrace Christ. So that's the seventh thing. Eighth thing. This is the eighth thing. If you get nothing out of this sermon, if you're like, wow, you guys hired the wrong pastor, all right? (laughs) This is the one point I want you to get. All right? This is the one point I want you to get. Wisdom is reverence. Wisdom is reverence. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, when you go to build a house, you have to make sure that the foundation is solid because if the foundation is not solid, the house is, is just going to crumble. You know, we used to build these structures in Iraq and Afghanistan with no foundation, and within a matter of a year, they were just they were down to the ground. And so this is the foundation for wisdom. This is the foundation for life. If there was a motto for the book of Proverbs, it would be Proverbs 1.7. So if there's one verse that you just read this week over and over again, it's Proverbs 1.7. Everything is built off of this. Everything is built off of this. And here's the thing. We will be tested on our reverence for God. And that reverence, that fear of God, it's a healthy fear. And the culture is going to test us. The culture says, you know what? Morals are relative, ethics are situational, and you need to be open, you know, you need to open your mind to everything. And God says, I am the moral lawgiver, and I cannot be open minded to evil and error. That's God speaking. And to fear God is to submit to Him, to regard Him with a reverent awe and a sense of wonder. Let me say that again a reverent awe and a sense of wonder. When was the last time you just had this awe and a sense of wonder of God? Maybe it was just looking at your children. Maybe it was looking at your spouse. Maybe it was looking outside at something naturally beautiful. Maybe it was just in the quietness at some point in time. But we are to recover that reverent sense of awe and wonder and just revere God as the holy God that He is and thank Him for what He's done for us, us. And this is the foundation of wisdom. If it doesn't come from this, the rest of it is just bumper stickers. It's got to be nested in this. So as I conclude, i got to ask us, why do we not embrace the Proverbs like we would embrace a self-help book? You ever thought about that? Why don't we embrace the Proverbs like we embrace a self-help book? I see people get excited. I get excited. Oh, the new book came out! But honestly, sometimes we don't get that excited about reading God's wisdom in Proverbs. I want you to think about that this week. Are some of us making decisions with the amount of wisdom we would with the Magic 8-Ball? We're just rolling the dice I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you during this sermon series. Yeah, I'm coming hard. It's my first one. I'm going to go for it, all right? I want us as a congregation to read the Proverbs every single day this summer. Not the whole book, but just read the book of Proverbs every day as we go through this sermon series. Go slowly. I'm not asking you to speed read through this. Go very slowly. Meditate on it. If you are stuck on Proverbs one one for the entire summer and you've meditated on it, you've done a great thing. Meditate on it, find Christ in it, and here's the last thing: apply it. Do whatever you have to do to apply God's wisdom in your life. If you read it, read it all the way through, read it again. Can you do that? we do that together this this month? I'm going to hold you accountable, and I want you to hold me accountable. I better get some people asking me, hey, how's your Proverbs reading going? Here's the thing. Proverbs is about restoring the wisdom that was lost in the garden. The Father has revealed His wisdom through the Proverbs. He's revealed it through His Son and by the power of His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Wisdom. And I pray that this is the summer that our life changes by embracing God's wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you, and I just pray that we would embrace wisdom, that we would embrace the things you've revealed to us generally and through your word and by the power of the Spirit. And I pray for everyone in here as we go through our summer reading your your word, reading the Proverbs. We thank you, Lord, for revealing this stuff to us. It's It's overwhelming. We love you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.